Welcome, everybody, to Getting Inside the Right Male Mind. I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And we are excited to be here today. We have a really wonderful topic. I think it's going to you know, really be thought-provoking for everybody. The name of this broadcast is Dudes, Drama, and Diamonds, Why He's Ghosting and She's Posting Engagement Rings. <laughs> So I love this title. Benjamin was a little skeptical when he first heard it, but once we started talking about it, he got into it. Um, so, honey, let's talk about what 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 is this about? This dude's dramas and diamonds. Well, in a relationship, it's it's almost unreasonable that two people will have the same pace. And some people are goal-oriented. Some people want companionship. They want different things in a relationship at different times and different speeds. So what we find often in our, you know, the women entering our, our program is that, that some women really um, are, find themselves quickly at the finish line and they're waiting for their partner to, to catch up. So, you know, she's already posting engagement rings on, on Instagram, and uh, he's just kind of enjoying hanging out and getting to know and, and taking his time and, and doesn't really feel the same um, com compulsion for um, certain milestones in the relationship at, at certain times. There's a kind of urgency on her part. Yeah. You know, a feeling of desperation, and she the more she tries to control it, I think sometimes the worse it worse it gets, right? Yeah, and I think we need to remember that love grows with time and and it grows grows at different pace uh, for different people. Just because two people are moving at different speeds, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be in in sync as long as they're moving in the same direction. So, uh, but often because of, of family pressures, societal pressures, religious pressures, that there's this need to move faster by one person than is comfortable for the other. So I think one of the big issues, babe, is that today, you know, women have worked so hard to have power and agency over their lives. This is something that has taken us not just decades, but generations for women to come out of the house, out of the kitchen, be able to work, have, own companies, have careers. And the truth is we have different needs for a man in our life today than we used to have. And so we're so used to driving our own lives that when we get into a relationship with a man today, it's no longer, oh, I need to get this man to marry me because I want him to put food on the table and put a roof over my head and I need security. I can't even get a credit card without his signature. Today, we're so used to being able to set a goal and achieve it. And 
there's a conflict, I think, for a lot of our clients. They still want these very traditional dynamics in their romantic relationships, but it's juxtaposed, it's pushed up against this need or, or just this habit almost of controlling their own lives. So they don't know how to let a man be the leader and set the pace and all because they're so used to doing that. And that was a very long way of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, it's, it's such a delicate dance because when a woman wants a man to, to move forward at a pace that he may not be comfortable with, it's like, you know, if we've ever seen a, a, a video of, of someone trying to pull a mule, the more they, they pull, the more the mule pulls back. Right. And it's just exhausting and unsatisfying for both, both partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happens is there's often this push-pull dynamic that starts to happen in the couple. The more, like you said, the woman pushes, the more he pulls back. Yeah. And then it just becomes more frustrating. And arguments arise, you know, that may not have anything to do with the topic that they're arguing on. The basic argument is, is you're not moving fast. You don't want what I want when I want it. So an argument could be, you know, I like yellow, you like orange, you know, you SOB. <laughs> it's really the basic argument is you're not moving faster. So a lot of dissonance, a lot of arguments in relationships really are, are about something much more foundational. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important just to take a second and make a little bit of a disclaimer mm-hmm. that uh, men do this too. You know, there are women who are not ready and there are men who are moving way too quickly for them. And it has the exact same effect. It will push a woman away and make her put up more walls just to protect herself. Because, you know, I mean, it goes both ways is what I want to say. Yeah. And but I think the slight difference with men wanting more is that Often men may want or feel they may want more in the very beginning. They may love bomb. They may come on very strong. Um, and they may push the relationship faster than a, a, a foundation of friendship, shared experience, trust, and safety can develop. Mm-hmm. And so the relationship gets turned on its head. Often two people become lovers before they become friends and and I think we've all experienced those relationships and where are they now? Have you ever felt anxious? Because I think a lot of this is driven by insecurity and anxiety. A lot of this behavior is from things we learn about relationships and how they're supposed to unfold. And, you know, that you're that we're almost play acting. We're, we're in these roles, but we're not really interacting with the person in front of us. So it's all driven by insecurity, by, you know, cultural Mm -hmm. sort of myths, and also anxiety. 
right? Have you ever felt that in a relationship with a woman? Well, the relationship that I was in just before you and I met, and we were in the relationship for two years, and which was one year too long. You know, on the, she desperately wanted a, a baby. And I wasn't sure first if, if I wanted it, a child. I thought about it every single day of my adult life. Every day I waited. And some days were sometimes that um, there were times that I was leaning towards having a child, but I wasn't with the right person. And sometimes when I was with the right person, I you know, felt the other way about having a child. Mm-hmm. So I was with a woman who I really liked. And on the first anniversary of, of, of dating, and we, we both laid down and had a conversation. And I, I said, you know, I really thought about it every single day. And uh, I really don't want children. You know, and I was 49 years old then. And I figured if I didn't really want a child by then, I mean, really want, then, um, you know, it, I'd just be doing, I'd be living someone else's dream. And so we stayed in the relationship almost another year. But it was brutal because she really saw the relationship. What she wanted in the relationship was a child. And that that she was trying to make me catch up with her desire. And the more that she was trying to do that, the more I was pulling away. And the more we had arguments that really had nothing to do with what we were arguing about. You know, what the mm-hmm. tears were about. The tears were, you know, I want a baby, you don't. Mm-hmm. And I hate your guts. It didn't get to that point, but, but there was animosity on her part. And I think solely because uh, the differences of what we wanted. Uh-huh. Wow. In a whole other life, I would love to have had your or have your child. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> now that we've done this, it yeah. would be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm so glad we got to do this. So I'd love to talk about a little bit more, honey, about what drives this, you know, because in if we're speaking in psychological terms, there's like the fear of abandonment butting up against the fear of engulfment. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think that really sum- summarizes it. Yeah. You know, you've got this one person who is terrified of being abandoned. And then you've got this other person who's just petrified that he's going to be engulfed. And those two people come together and it's misery. Yeah. And just to to add to that, um, it's not one or the other. Someone could really fear engulfment, and also fear abandonment mm-hmm. you know, uh, because of past relationships, history, all of that. I think that one of a man's fears is that getting into a relationship, a, a really com- a committed relationship like engagement, marriage, um, that his life is going to be smaller because of that. He's going to have to make compromises. He's going to have to give up things that he deeply cares about. And um, for a woman, she's invested time and emotional energy into this relationship. And it's been growing, but it just hasn't reached the level that, that 
that finish line that she's been looking for, whether it's personal preference or whether her friends are getting married or her family, you know, at, at Thanksgiving keeps, you know, saying, you know, when are you going to get married? I want grandkids, you know, all of this pressure and pressure from movies, rom-coms, all of that. So there's something satisfying about, about that commitment. And where for a man, some men, um, the idea of commitment isn't satisfying. It's like capitulating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I think I'm just going to speak as a woman. I think sometimes we don't realize from a male perspective. I mean, we give up a lot too sure. to be in a partnership. And sometimes what we're sacrificing is our biological clock if we want kids. Yes. You know, that is a massive yes. cost. And I, we have had tragically so many women in our course who didn't have children who very, very, very much wanted them because they stayed with men who couldn't give them or wouldn't give them kids and they lost the opportunity, right? But men also give up very, very, very important things to be with us. And so we're pushing because we need to not nail someone down before it's too late to have kids. And men are pushing away. And what is it that they're holding on to? What are men holding yeah, on to? Yeah, why are they pushing? What are they afraid of losing? Are they afraid of... of- uh, you know, if a man is a bachelor, you know, and he enjoys his Sundays just spacing out, watching football games or hanging out with the guys or playing soccer or whatever it may be, um, you know, he's afraid that not only if he's in a committed relationship, there's now not only a definition and rules, you know, regulations, but he's not just marrying the woman, he's marrying the family and and all the obligations that come with that uh and if there's a child that that he may be ambivalent about but she really wants that's a huge um commitment and thinking about you know that he loves sleeping in or he loves quiet mornings or he loves you know time intimate time with his partner uh, that can be sacrificed. And then if we were to look at even deeper reasons, like there's all the uh, historical reasons, all the baggage, the fear that I did try, I did love this person to the best of my ability, and it didn't work. And I'm, I'm afraid of failing again, making the wrong choice. Men go through those same fears. They're terrified. And, you know, today it goes, again, both ways. Some women wind up paying alimony or support to men, but it's still more common, I think. I don't know the statistics, but I would imagine that men still wind up more frequently paying alimony to women. I'd love to actually look at those statistics. But it's scary. I mean, I hear some men, I know of a man who... Today, he's 
quite, he's, you know, a little younger than you. And he owes his ex-wife alimony for the rest of her life, you know, and it's a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, no, I, I, I know. And that, that's a fear. I remember you and I have been together 21 years. I remember in my practice in Los Angeles, uh, I just treated an attorney who <laughs> was a friend of, uh, uh, a friend of ours. You know, uh, we, we would see them, him, uh, he and his wife socially at parties and, and the, we had converted our garage into a treatment room, a beautiful treatment room. And then we were, he and I, after the session, we were walking towards the gate, you know, to where he was parked on the other side. And, uh, you know, I said, yeah, we're, we're about to, to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And in California, you know, that's the, the, <laughs> 10 years and a day then you, you pay alimony for life and uh he was saying well you know it's 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 not too late and you really should think about this and you know I, I had no hesitation but i think that probably in his marriage or in you know looking at friends and associates that um there had been some regret you know that that, but the regret probably was that they didn't put the time and effort to really establish a relationship prior to marriage. That they really knew that this is a person that they couldn't, they could not live without, and that they really knew and, and intimacy was established rather than just this yeah. great idea that we get married. You know, I, I'm going to digress off of this for a second, but something I think is really important for people to hear. This doesn't happen randomly. <laughs> you know, I asked you the other day, do you think people have what we have, you know, that they just meet the right person? I don't know how many Mozarts are born in a lifetime. And I'm not, you know, I, I really, the thing I'm proudest of in this life is our relationship and what we've accomplished and having been with my ex who my ex-husband who we argued and fought ex formerly known as twitter <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us about twitter <laughs> you're on a roll today <laughs> uh, yes no my ex-husband who you know um, we just used to sit and talk ad nauseum, you know, to try to sort through things and figure things out. And what a colossal waste of time. It's like this, you know, immense hamster wheel that we were literally going on for 13 years. And I'm so proud of what I learned, you know, walking away from that relationship. What I did was, I just said, Lisa, you know, he has to figure himself out. I don't know why he did the things he did. I'm not him. You know, I could sit and try and sort through that forever. But I had to look at me. I had to look at who I was being in relationship and why I picked him. I stayed with him for. You, you know, yours was only two years, one year too long. <laughs> Mine was uh, 12 and a half years too long. 
So we really worked hard to be here. But these patterns, you know, I suffered from this. I was so scared because I knew nothing about men in relationships. And I wanted a guy like you. I would have given anything in this world to be with a man like you. I mean, because you're everything I ever wanted. Everything. And my standards, I mean, you know me, right? Like I have these very high standards, these very and and not egoically high, but I hold myself to these principles, right? And I live them. And I know I'm really good at it. <laughs> I only say that because I won your heart and I worked hard to get that. But I ran, I chased men. I pushed them away. And that's the scariest thing. Did you ever push away someone you loved out of anxiety or carelessness or... I think out of carelessness, I think that that I didn't take into account the other person's emotional involvement in the relationship. Oof. And so it was easier for me just to not ghost, but slowly dissolve the relationship. Wow. And and without seeing the the intensity and and what the other person you know, really saw and, and saw a future. Um, I think that when I was less mature, I took it more casually mm-hmm. and, and things fell apart that way. So she was way more vested than you were or some of these women. And that's what yeah. women, you know, yeah, we... Even after first date. Uh, but back then, and, and I lived through the the sexual revolution that lucky that, you <laughs> yeah. well you know it's it's it you know went on into this 70s and 80s <laughs> uh, but you know even you know if there was a sexual encounter you know the first date or second date um the, often the woman would be thinking, this is it. I found the guy. And I was thinking, what a nice experience. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, what a nice woman, what a ni- nice person, nice experience. And and didn't put much weight into mm-hmm. it. And, you know, like you weren't thinking about a future. You yeah. were just like, oh, it's nice to spend time with this person. Yeah. I mean, I'm- had I been able to rewind with the knowledge I have now, I would realize the the importance, the weight that 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 jumping into a relationship with intimacy or or future planning, uh, all of those things early on, because it feels good, um, that the amount of harm can far outweigh eventually far outweigh the feeling of feeling good. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's so true. It's really sad. But, you know, at that time, this, you know, probably a relationship, like you weren't thinking about something long term. And I think women are always thinking about relationships as long term. Isn't that funny? I mean, not 
100%, but I don't know how many women just casually enter into a relationship with a man and, you know, not think about some kind of future or she's not measuring him or considering that in some way. And I think a lot of men are like, oh, this person, she's great. I, you know, I, she's a great dinner companion. I enjoy talking to her. I have fun with her. But if he were to stand back and say, do I want to spend the rest of my life with her? He's, a lot of guys aren't asking that question until a woman actually says, right. I'd love to know what you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. And at that wow. point, he either begins to pull away or he capitulates because he doesn't want to lose her. I mean, this may be the, the best woman he's ever known. And so it may really make him stop and think. It may make him stop and think, but it may make him act precipitously beyond, you know, faster than his pace, uh, you know, of really feeling secure in the relationship, feeling that some of the issues have been, if not totally worked through, at least there's, you know, a rational dialogue uh, to talk about things and to honor each other's positions. And all of that prior, so sometimes a man needs to know all of these things, and then stepping into a marriage is effortless. Yeah. Um, but if there's these issues that, that he may not have even been able to verbalize or, or, or crystallize right. into thoughts, but there's just something holding back that that if he's pushed, well, they could still have a happily ever after. And people do grow and they grow together. Uh, and they honor each other's personal growth. But without that foundation of, of, of intimate dialogue and uh, understanding and all of those things where people feel that they're not just a picture waiting for a picture, like a picture frame waiting for a picture to put in. I think it was Marianne Williamson who said that some people have a picture frame, which may be the house, the, the car, yeah. the, the husband, the, child, the, the two children, the, you know, what the house is going to look like, and then just waiting for a, a, a photo to put in that picture frame. Um, and some men feel that. Uh, particularly if a woman is nearing the end of her childbearing years, that he may feel that. that, that wow. Yeah. What I'm hearing is that some women have this dream, this vision in their head, and they're just finding some guy that they can fit into it. Yeah. And men feel that, and they also feel that if they do, you know, if they decide to fit into that picture, it's going to, it could be very restricting for them. Like they're going to have to. Be- well, they, they can feel used, even if they're with the woman of their dreams. And even if they share much of the same dreams, they, they could feel used because there could have been another photo put in that picture. Yeah, because if he hadn't worked, then they'd go find the next guy or the one that they could manipulate or get to fit into the photo. 
It's interesting. Um, I didn't have an agenda. Did you feel that from me? No, no. In fact, um, after a um, unsatisfying second marriage, which is very brief, of you know, like two years, um, I didn't want to get married again. You know, it was just like, why put myself through that? It was and miserable. It was. It was. You know. It. It was. Two people, two good people, getting together who didn't know each other mm-hmm. at all, and um, and it just was. We were in different cities, you know, like twenty five hundred miles apart, and courting that way. So we really didn't get to know each other. And she, you know, she was trying to fit you at the end. She was trying to fit you into her picture. Right. And in the beginning, honestly, I was trying to fit her my picture. Ooh, okay. I was was ready. You know, I was at a certain age. I think I was in my late 30s. And, you know, I was just ready to settle down. And I knew that in all those years, I may not have found the perfect person. So what I'm going to do is find a good person and make it work and it has to work because we're married it has to work wow and and you know i was so wrong and so we both had two different picture frames <laughs> we were fitting each other in you know and uh i knew that she wasn't the perfect person but i knew she was a good person and uh, and probably the same her thoughts about me uh, but we had two different picture frames, and we were <laughs> we were hanging in two different museums. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> well, I'm glad her museum closed for good. <laughs> oh, because we're hanging side by side in the same one. Yeah. So you didn't want to get remarried, but I also wasn't going to, you know, I don't know. It's such a weird thing because I think there came a point where I had pushed so hard for relationships. You know, I had pushed. I had thought that I knew what I wanted or, you know, that that I had, you know, something that I was going for. And then I just was like... I got to this place of complete surrender and I was like, no, I I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, here I am creating this story up here. I just have to start down here (laughs) and just let everything go. No, I didn't feel any agenda. Uh Uh-huh. I really didn't have one. I just didn't. I didn't feel any pressure to get married. And and I've told the story many times, but. I wanted to get, I eventually wanted to get married. Not that my commitment would have been any different, but I just couldn't introduce you as my significant other, my, my partner. <laughs> That's a my, funny term. Yeah. My significant and, uh, other. Uh, and, <laughs> That's like out of a psychology book. <laughs> and, and any of those other terms, mm-hmm. uh, my companion, whatever it was, right. it didn't hit the mark. And I'm so proud to call you my wife. And I introduce you as my wife. I'm proud for you to call me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I, I use it often in, in, you know, when I'm treating clients, when I'm in conversation with people, 
And I'm very proud to call you my wife. Um, but there are other relations that, you know, there are relationships that may be companion relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they're looking for. You know, just people that, that they may have separate residences. They, they, that may be their comfort level. Um, you know, they're, so there's, there's all kinds of relationships and it doesn't have to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I mean, but let's expand on that. Like I, I met a guy who was married to, you know, in his sixties, I think I've shared this with you before, but they were in, they met and, and they lived on the East coast in two different States and they bought a house in the middle and they were married. They had a wedding and all, but they maintained their separate households during the week because each of them had a full life that they'd created. And then on the weekends, they would go and spend the time together in their house. Yeah. And I'm sure they were the first people they would call if something happened mm -hmm. during the day or if they just felt like they needed to say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And so all of that, and, and it, you know, it can look the way it looks. Well, the, that's what I was going to say to you was that when I surrendered and I was like, I don't know, but I, you know, all I knew when I met you was that I, I, I thought you were amazing. And I was like, this guy really likes me. So I'm just going to see where, how, where it goes. <laughs> how far can I take this? <laughs> Honestly. I mean, that was really the conversation I had with myself. I didn't know if I, how, what distance I would go, but yeah, I just knew you were amazing. And it was so wonderful, all the work I did on myself to be able to get to that place in my own consciousness, to be able to walk into a, you know, when this opportunity presented itself, not to be after a ring or, you know, living together. I mean, yes, we decided to get married, but the flip side of that was I would have, I would still be in Los Feliz and you would still be in Mar Vista and we'd still be going back and forth if that's what you had wanted. Yeah. And I think that, that as a testimony that neither one of us were that goal oriented, you know, where we had a finish line that, Marriage was just something we slipped into. You know, we we bought a house together one year after we met. And because of all the moving in and and all of that and establishing practices and and we didn't get married for another year after that. But I actually had to backtrack and <laughs> and you know make get a dinner reservation at a you know great Los Angeles West Hollywood restaurant and get down on my knee just just to have done it because it was just seamless. It wasn't like, you know, um it in these rom coms uh or some of these Instagram things or or video Facebook presentations where the woman is shocked. You know, like <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm not sure how good that is, you know, because I think if two people are ready to get married, it's like, 
of course, of course. And, and right. you know, I think I presented uh. your ring at a, or we tried to, I tried to go back to the restaurant, this uh, Thai restaurant in Los Angeles. Where Paris. we had our first day. Yeah, and I was all set, and, and it was a Monday because it was my day off. And the restaurant turned out to be closed on Monday. So we went to another one and I gave you a ring there. But I don't think it should be this like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh. It's it's two people walking together side by side. And it could be at different paces at different times. But when they begin to align and they're now side by side, you know, it's it's not a surprise if they just walk towards that that finish line together yeah that's so funny but i also think about like we were always at the same place Mm -hmm. like and and that in and of itself is wild you know and i think it's because there weren't agendas Mm -hmm. so there there weren't milestones i didn't have to have the wedding and the marriage and the certificate for any other reason than you asked me why I wanted to get married. And I said to you, I just want to take that ceremony, that moment in time where um, I'm just saying, I don't even know who I'm saying thank you to. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say thank you for this gift that I have. And I figured if there is someone to thank, I wanted to have that bond, you know, before whatever it is. And I'm not saying it's God. I don't I don't know if anyone's listening, but I need I want to say thank you for this amazing gift. Yeah. And our wedding was very simple. And our, mm-hmm. we, we didn't let the all the preparations and all the details Mm-mm. get in the way. I mean, we got married in our living room and my best friend Richard Carlson. Uh, who would do sweat the small stuff, uh, presided. Your brother was my best man, and um, our dog, our Sharpie Bobo, was one of the witnesses. He's <laughs> <laughs> right there at our feet. I have to tell you the funniest thing. I'm editing some images for some new Facebook ads, and uh, I just went through all of our wedding photos because there is one ad that we're going to use some some of those for the ad (laughs) so as you're saying that these images are fresh in my mind so I want to talk a little bit we really you know just kind of went off you know off topic a bit I mean it's on topic because what we're really showing everybody is that we have done these things Benjamin and me we've been in those relationships but You know, if you really listen to us just talking casually, you can hear in our conversation, our mindsets, Mm. you know, the mindset that he and I have, which drives this, the dynamic of our relationship so that we're not pushing agendas ever. I mean, ever. Most uh, fights or a lot of fights in couples are power struggles, and we don't have any power struggles in our relationship. So, w- therefore, we don't fight about anything. Yeah. And I, I don't think two people should get married unless they're fully committed to what we call a guardian of your soul relationship. Yeah. Where both people so honor 
each other and see the goodness and, and, and all the things, all the parts of the other person, goodness and other, even more than they could see it themselves, they could see their soul and their soul's journey and honor that journey and support that journey, you know, for each other. And for me, I mean, well, for us, that's the kind of relationship we have. And we came into it with that yeah. idea. And so, you know, you've, we've rented you cabins in, you know, in, in wine country or in the mountains in California to, to write. And I've, you know, and I've taken care of things here with home and the dogs and all of that. And, and, and I, I've, you know, I've yeah. stayed while you've traveled and taught. Yeah. You know, for, and never, and and never even said, "Well, why won't you take me, or can I come with you?" Or and of course, ever. there are times that no, no, you invited yeah. me yeah. to come with you. You know, on the times or in the times where you felt you had the bandwidth, which yeah. was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, but we knew what our souls needed, you know, to really feel complete within ourselves and to do that i'm just going to put this out there to be in a guardian of your soul relationship you can't have an agenda right you can't you have to be whole and complete in yourself like when you would go away and teach of course i missed you but i was completely fine i had my work and i had my friends and I just enjoyed that time, you know, just in a different way and looked forward to you coming back, you know. So you have to be whole and complete in yourself. You can't be coming in anxious or with a picture frame that you're just trying to fill. You know, you have to drop the agenda. The real thing is to drop the agenda and you're looking not for a husband or whatever you're looking for the person that you really feel you can dream a relationship with where you'll co-create it together the two of you without agendas just out of love (laughs) all right I am Lisa Shield. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm Benjamin Shield. It's been a pleasure. And we would like you to send your future suggestions for topics for podcasts to podcast at lisashield.com. Also, I just really want to encourage you to go to my website, lisashield.com, and click the button. There is a button all over the site. That's how you can watch my free 45-minute webinar or masterclass, call it what you will. At the end of that, you can sign up for a free breakthrough call with a member of my team. I highly suggest you do that if you want to find the guardian of your soul. They are out there. There are amazing men like my husband everywhere. But in order to find it, you first have to know what you're looking for. And then you really have to cultivate the qualities in yourself so that you can be a partner to that man. 
no agendas, no nothing. So talk to us. I also do another broadcast called Finding the Guardian of Your Soul. You can find that as well. And thank you for joining us. Thank you.